Hey, business building warrior, I've got a treat for you today. From time to time, well, actually about once a week or so, I like to go live in the Facebook group and invite any of the members who'd like to join me onto like a Zoom session where we can see each other and interact with each other on the screen. If you want to join us for one of these, by the way, typically I do it on Monday evenings around 5 p.m. Eastern time. That's 5 o'clock p.m. New York time. Most weeks, not every week, but this time I recorded the session. We don't record all of them, but we did this time. And we may do this a few times in the future as well, if this is something that we get some feedback from you saying you enjoy. So let me set this up a little bit and you can decide if this is an episode for you. We ask all of the members of our community, we got about 72,000 people in our Facebook group, to bring any questions they have to a live Zoom hangout where the topic is typically revolving around growing your business in e-commerce and on Amazon. So we get all kinds of interesting questions and you can see from the description today some of the questions that were tackled during the discussion time. A lot of times these Monday night meetings are a way for us to greet the newest members of our community. So you'll see some questions in there that kind of cater to the newer sellers who are trying to establish a business on Amazon. But just so you know, if this is one of your first episodes you've ever listened to of our podcast, my name is Jim. I'm the host most of the time on this show. We have some other great coaches who host as well from time to time. But this show has about 500 episodes or more of success story interviews with the students of ours who are taking the Proven Amazon course. That's what this community is about. That's what this show is about, helping you launch a great business using a course that's called, I'll give you the name again, it's the Proven Amazon Course. You can find details on that course at provenamazoncourse.com. So most of the episodes of this podcast are interviews with the students who are succeeding with that course. But we like to have some other content as well. You guys have requested it where we dive in and answer those questions. So in an open microphone setting, we captured some of the best questions from the community hanging out and I gave answers and you never know what interesting questions might pop up. And again, if you wanna join us live, the best way to get in on this is to get into our Facebook group. There's a link at silentgym.com. You can get into our free Facebook group. There's also a link there to our proven Amazon course. And you can hear all of our past podcast episodes by going there as well. A lot of our episodes, only are found in audio format. And there's a link there. You can get on iTunes or Spotify or your favorite podcast listening app. And you can hear all those great interviews with our successful students. Something else we're very proud of, that free Facebook group I mentioned. You can jump into it and see for yourself. We have 1,700 tagged success posts from students using our Amazon training to build beautiful businesses. Many of those people go on to be guests on our show. But today, it's an open microphone It's me with the community hanging out, answering questions. And like I said, if you enjoy this, please let us know. We'll do more of this kind of thing and plan to join us some Monday, 5 p.m. Eastern. Get into our Facebook group and look for the announcements. We'd love to have you join us live. We can interact. I'd love to answer your questions as well. I've been doing e-commerce for 20 years. It's the only income for my family. There's seven of us. We've homeschooled and raised five kids. They're getting married and moving out and getting older at this point. But the 20-year experiment was a wild success. We're so excited and happy to see how things have turned out for our kids, for our business, for our family, for the relationships. We love entrepreneurship and homeschooling under one roof. That's how we did life for 20 plus years. 
And it's been so rewarding. We want that for as many people as that want that for themselves as well. So we hit on some of those kind of topics on these discussions as well. You never know what you're going to get. But like I said, look at the description, see if there's some interesting topics there for you today that we're going to dive into. And thanks for listening to Silent Sales Machine Radio. Let's get over into the Q&A session with the other listeners. All righty. So I am a pretty much fresh beginner at this. Um, I haven't even started selling yet. I'm just about getting ready to actually buy the Amazon, the uh, proven Amazon course. I have a couple thousand saved up and ready to go. Um, so I'm wondering, as right as a very new beginner, is it worth getting an LLC right away, or should I wait until things start moving along? Yeah, great question, man. I'll jump into that for you. Uh, yeah, LLC. You know, if I had my coaching director Nathan Bailey with me here right now. He would say, hands down right now, get your LLC, put it in place, you know, get your legal paperwork lined up. Don't wait. Do it the right way right out of the gate. Me, I'm more of a, hey, let's, there's nothing wrong with getting a little bit of momentum, selling a few things, because I see people, I see it happen to people all the time where they're getting ready to get ready to get ready to launch a business and they're constantly finding new things. Like, oh, I haven't even hired an accountant yet. Oh, I haven't even bought the office chair I always wanted yet. Oh, I don't have a business banking account yet. Oh, I don't have my LLC yet. Oh, I didn't do this yet. You can create an endless list of boxes to check. I'm like, sell something, sell something. Sign up for an Amazon account and sell something. Once you've got a little bit of momentum, now you can start checking some boxes and you'll have some energy behind it instead of making it a list of things that you do to waste time. But as a standalone question, your question, Kobe, was, should I have an LLC when I start? I'm not a lawyer. I can't give legal advice, but yeah, it's not a bad idea to have an LLC. It's not a bad idea to have your business bank account set up separately ahead of time. You don't want to be making a lot of changes later. That can be kind of painful with Amazon. So it's probably smarter to go ahead and set those things up. Don't pay a bunch of money to do it. Any decent accountant from your area can walk you through this stuff for minimal, if any, expense. You know, a friend of a family friend who helps small businesses in the area accountant, they'll talk you through whatever you got to do locally. That goes for anyone anywhere in the world. A good local accountant is worth their weight in gold. Bounce this off of them. Tell them what you're getting ready to do. Say, hey, well, you know, what should I file with the state? What do I got to do here? They'll talk you through it. So does that help, Kobe? Yes, it does. Thank you very much. Excellent. Great to meet you, man. And uh, we've got uh, Eduardo with a question I'm going to hit real quick before I jump in with you guys uh, who have your hands up because I love this question. Jim, could you define what an underserved ASIN is? Is the question Eduardo has in the comments. An underserved ASIN uh, there's, is, is one of our attempts to create a word image about what a replan is. The base model we teach around here for new Amazon sellers, 98% of all students who come to us and say, okay, I know I can trust you guys. Shape me out. Take my, take my business, run me, hold me by the hand. What do you got for me here? Let's build something. All right, you're going to start with replans in the United States. I don't care where you live in the world. I don't care what your best experience is. I don't care a lot of those things. We're going to start you with Amazon replans and say, okay, what's a replan? We've come up with several creative word images and ways to describe as succinctly as possible what a replan is. So you may hear us say things like, it's any inventory that you can buy at full retail price and sell at a reasonable profit repeatedly on Amazon. And you can easily go get more of it when you need to. That's one description. 
you might hear some people misconceive and say, well, a replin is something that the same customer buys over and over and over again, right? Like, you know, people have their favorite jar of jelly and they go buy it once a month. Like that's a replin, right? No, no, that's not. We're not talking about the customer replenishing products that they like. We're talking about the seller replenishing easily sourced inventory, most often at full retail price, by finding what we call underserved listings or underserved ASINs on Amazon. So just in case someone doesn't know what an ASIN is, each individual listing on Amazon is an ASIN, A-S-I-N, has a unique qualifying identifying number. Starts with the letter B, then zero, zero something. And you'll see it from now on, now that I've told you about it. Every listing on Amazon has it. Each ASIN could have one seller or 200 sellers. So anyone selling the product that matches that ASIN can sell on that listing and they're selling against that ASIN. So what is an underserved ASIN is Eduardo's question. An underserved ASIN is simply an ASIN where I, as a seller, I could be the third seller who shows up or I could be the you know, 15th or the 50th seller on that ASIN. I don't care how many other sellers there are, but can I show up with a reasonable expectation that I'm going to sell a product to a happy customer at a price that makes me a profit? If so, that is a test-worthy ASIN or an potentially underserved ASIN, also known as a replin. That's what a replin is. So that doesn't clear it up. Then Eduardo, raise your hand. We'll talk more about it or anyone else for that matter. But the replins game is basically one of finding underserved listings on Amazon and testing a little bit of inventory against it. And if your test goes well, you celebrate and you don't go buy 50 or 100 more. You go buy a handful more and you never buy more than a month's worth at a time for any ASIN. So you end up with this inch deep, mile wide is what we call it. Inch deep, mile wide means I'm no more than a month's worth of inventory into any listing. And I'm ready to move without emotion at any time out of any of those listings where I can't make a profit any longer. If I have to drop my price, empty out a handful of units, I do it. No emotion at all. I'm looking for very low risk, very high odds of return, underserved listings on Amazon, and they are everywhere. That is a beautiful base model. We have many multiple six-figure sellers in our community doing just that model. Or like the person I just interviewed on the podcast today, that episode will be out about a week from now. She jumped right into branded bundles after she understood replans and how to find underserved listings. She's combining underserved listings and creating these beautiful bundles and doing really well with that. But the base level knowledge you need to do well with all the strategies we teach around here is understanding underserved listings, underserved ASINs. And I'm happy to talk more about it if someone has questions about that. I got you, school boss. What's your Good name? Good evening. Good. Hello, my name is Ivo. Ivo, Evo. Yes. I love it. Evo. Yeah, yes, yes. I got you, Evo. Uh, my, uh, actually, my, it's my nickname, the school boss. That's my I profession. I, I used to work as a teacher and uh, I switched from teaching to online teaching. And then I ran upon this Amazon story and I love the whole idea. I love the whole idea about school, actually home teaching, about being available to, to uh, being, being free, uh, kind of just the metro organizing your time. And uh, my problem is actually I have two questions. One is related to the other. Okay. Uh, 
I did a lot of investigation and I did a lot of research and I did a lot of learning and I kind of burned out. At least I feel like that. I love the podcast. I've been number of series. I remember the series of uh, Dead Wish Coffee. It's a lovely story. Mm. That's the story I can point out at this very moment. But if uh, if I if I could kind of, uh, if I think back, there's a bunch of lovely stories and they are very successful and they work in favor of uh, kind of uh, boosting your energy and boosting your will. But the thing is, I came to a stall because I realized opening account, it's not an easy. I didn't mention, I'm calling at this very moment, it's almost midnight in my place, and I'm from Serbia, that's Europe. Yeah, of course. Belgrade is the capital. Belgrade is the capital, for example, if you heard about Novak Djokovic, Novak Djokovic from Serbia. So I came to a stall of opening an account. In addition to that, I realized that I don't have a product. And with those two combined, I wasted a, at least a year and a half since I kind of uh, deep myself so deep in it. I'm going to open it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to try. So basically, I came to a stall. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure what to do next in order to, to boost myself again to kind of investigate, eventually to open the account and eventually to start the Amazon business because I personally think it's a very low idea. It's a good way to make profit. But apart from profit, a lot of benefits are included if you manage to develop Amazon business. In addition to this, I put aside the Amazon for a year year and a half, and I came upon a product which is CBD and THC mm-hmm. contained. So it's a CBD and THC in this industry. And maybe I could be able to, to represent something in order to be present on the Amazon. But then again, I'm not sure if I can start with CBD or THC product. That's my me, bottom line question. So those me, two and a half questions, two and a half questions. Yeah, no problem. I'm going to hit all those questions, buddy. And they're all easy questions for me to hit fairly quickly. CBD? No, no, I mentioned. No, no. So the first question is, I came to a store when it comes to opening an account. I yeah. realized oh, I, that I, don't have a pro- I don't have a product. And the third oh. one, in the meantime, I came upon CBD and THC. So maybe I could do something with that. But then again. I understand that, all three that, of your questions. Yes. yes. I, Thank you. you I understand all three. I'm going to hit all three. I'm going to hit the easiest one first. Please do. Yeah. I'm you all ears. <laughs> you can't sell CBD on Amazon. Not going to happen. I've seen no thousands. way. No I've way. seen thousands of people try. I haven't seen one person successfully do it. It's not happening. So let me answer all your questions and then I'll unmute you again and we'll see if I hit them all accurately. The next answer is we've got students all over the world doing what we teach. You can hear dozens of podcast episodes of people. For example, one of the coaches on our team, his name is Joseph. He lives in Slovakia. They don't have Amazon in Slovakia, just like they don't have it in Serbia or, you know, a lot of a lot of European countries, they don't, you know, they have no Amazon presence whatsoever. But even if they do have an Amazon presence, it's not as active as it is in the United States. So what you need to do is get a U.S.-based entity and set up a U.S.-based Amazon seller account. It's just a matter of doing the work. You know, you can be intimidated by it or you can get some help and get it figured out and get it done. We've got a service called Humminbird. I'm going to type it into the uh, notes right now. They can help you as well. If you get an appointment with them, they'll help walk you through the process of getting a U.S.-based entity established. Now you've got a U.S.-based address and entity. You can sign up for an Amazon seller account that way. And 
then as far as finding a product goes, you don't start off finding a product. Anytime someone says, hey, I'm an Amazon seller, but I don't have a product. I need a product to sell. That tells me that they've probably been spending time on YouTube, listening to people, convincing them that the way to start on Amazon is to find a good product. They say, you know, they will see these videos that say, we can help you find a great product. Our software will help you identify with the right keywords and the right research. You can find a great product. No, 95% of the people that start their Amazon journey by looking for the right product end up with a garage full of that product and tens of thousands of dollars of wasted investment. 95% of the people who try to start there with a private label or finding a good product, they end up with a garage full and a bunch of wasted time and money. We actually call this Facebook group and our podcast the burn unit of the Amazon industry because people go to YouTube where 90% of the experts out there are selling these $5,000 courses that teach you how to find a good product, how to source the product from China, all that private label, dreams, 95% of the new sellers who go down that road end up getting burned. And they either decide to leave the industry altogether or they find a burn unit, which is what we are. And they say, wait, if there's a better way, yes, absolutely. Finding the underserved shelf space at Amazon, these underserved ASINs, these, these replens, that's the low risk low learning curve, low investment required, high odds of success business model where we start all new sellers. So it's not a hunt for a product. It's a hunt for underserved listings on Amazon, which is a very different adventure. It's a low risk, inexpensive adventure that anyone in the world can do. We've got great students thriving, selling in the US, never seeing or touching their inventory. They'll shop online in the U.S. and they'll have the stuff sent to a prep partner in the U.S. who prepares it, puts their label on it, puts their stickers on it, sends it to Amazon on their behalf. When Amazon cuts a check and pays, they're paying you, the account owner. It's a hands-free. It's not drop shipping. Drop shipping is a total disaster. There's no one out there teaching drop shipping in an effective way to a lot of people. They're, they're selling courses and they make a lot of money doing it, but that is a disastrous business model. No one does it successfully at scale. I've been doing this 20 years. I've not met one person who would challenge me on this and say, actually, I'm doing dropshipping at scale and it's going really well. I haven't met one person. I've met thousands who are doing the replens model that we teach very well at scale. They're in our community. They're on our podcast. They're on our Facebook group. You can talk to them and meet them. You won't find a community of people who are thriving doing dropshipping. You just won't. You won't find a community of people who are new to Amazon who are thriving doing private label. You just won't. Those communities don't exist because those models are extremely difficult. You'll find more advanced sellers doing really well with private label. You won't find advanced sellers doing any drop shipping, right? So there's numerous models we could be talking about, but none of them start with you finding the right product. It starts with you understanding what it is to find underserved listings on Amazon. That's where we'd start you, Evo. And we'd love to love to be of help to you. If anything we can do, the Proven Amazon course will walk you through it. If you want to coach, we've got that as well. Our experienced students who are, who've built beautiful businesses, they make great coaches. I'd happy to talk to you about that. But all right, Evo, back to you, buddy. How'd I do? 
Mr. School Boss. Okay, thank you, thank you. All right, buddy. Hey, we'll get back to the show in just a moment, but I want to tell you about a way to save a nice chunk of change on all your online shopping and in-store shopping by using discounted gift cards. We've got a new sponsor on the program with a free report they want to give you, no strings attached. Go to silentgym.com slash gift cards. That's silentgym.com slash gift cards, one word in the show notes as well, that link. What they do is they put together a report that shows you all the places you can go to get great discounted gift cards. And they also offer the service themselves, selling gift cards to many online sellers, our community included. So it's a pleasure to bring them on board as a sponsor. Again, the link one more time, silentgym.com slash gift cards for that free special report. Let's get back to the show. We've got someone asking about uh, the Kickstart program. Let's talk about Kickstart real quick, guys. For $40 one-time payment, we have this new session that we've put together, uh, this new series we put together, where you go through four, kind of like what we're doing right now, but it won't be 50 people or whatever we're up to now. It'll be how many of our new people are coming through with you as proven Amazon course students. So it may be anywhere from four to 12 or so people. We do these new groups every few days. So it's a small group on a Zoom session with one of our top coaches. You get four sessions and it's a kickstart program where they're talking you through the basics. It goes from knowing nothing and being completely clueless to making your first sale, just covering those first few steps that intimidate so many people. And you're doing it as a group. So you can encourage each other. You can inspire each other. A lot of times friendships are forming and masterminds are forming out of these little kickstart groups. Again, it's a one-time payment of 40 bucks. If you're interested, you can go to silentgym.com, click on the support button and just send our team an email. We don't have really a sales page for it that's public facing because it's only for proven Amazon course students. You have to be a proven Amazon course student. And if you want to pay $40 one time, $10 per session, basically. You get four sessions. They're hour to hour and a half each with, typically right now, it's Robin Joy, the one you hear on our podcast quite a bit. She's doing most of the sessions right now. She's most likely to be your guide. Go through with a small group and and answer all your initial questions. That's Kickstart. So someone said, hey, Jim, I'm waiting on you to get back to me about Kickstart. No, don't wait on me. If you haven't heard from me within 24 hours, that email or message is probably long forgotten. (laughs) So contact our support team. They'll get you hooked up with Kickstart. Okay, uh, and saying I'd promised to get her into Kickstart for free and I'm somehow missing your messages. I will still say contact support and say, hey, Jim offered me a free Kickstart. They'll verify it with me. I'll give the thumbs up. You'll be off to the races. Don't wait on me. Contact support if you've been waiting more than a few days for anything, okay? Yeah, on the silentgym.com page, scroll down to contact support. There's a button. Thanks for your help, there, Lynette. I appreciate all the helpful responses that people are giving. We need to do this kind of thing more often. Jump in here together like this. There we are. Hey, Jim. Hey, Zaire. Good to see you, man. How are you? I'm doing great. Yourself? Fantastic, man. Yeah, well, I'm saying hey, but actually I'm on for a friend of mine. She's actually listening to this. Um, She's uh, just starting to get into Amazon and I wanted to ask something for for her to kind of listen to. I'm not sure if she's not able to... um, you know, sharing this or, you know, what her schedule is looking like right now and everything. Sure. But again, she is listening. Yeah, I'll but, post the um, recording in the group too. Right. Yeah. 
And so she has sold on Amazon before. She sold books and things like that. And she's dabbled with, you know, selling on different platforms like, you know, Poshmark and things like that. And she's very um, into like what I'm doing. Like, you know, I've been sharing my story and everything with her as well. So this is more of like a mindset thing. Um, What she's struggling with is a little bit of negative environment when it comes to this reselling game. And, you know, I I, I try to express to her, you know, uh, I'm very big on like, you know, on my YouTube, when you see it in the mornings, like my YouTubes all have like motiversity and other things that, you know, just I always listen to things like that to kind of like keep me in a good mindset. But for her, she's kind of struggling with, you know, the environment that she's in, the people that she's around to, um, you know, kind of give this thing a go. She's, um, you know, bought a few items and she's had it shipped to her home. And then uh, people around her are just kind of saying, like, you know, you're not going to do it. You know, you're wasting time, essentially. Mm. Right. Mm. And, um, you know, I just I, I know that other people have um, shared in the podcast and things like that about how, um, you know, having supportive spouse, supportive family and things like that really helped. Um, I'm just wondering if you've had any experience or if you've heard from other people that might be in like the opposite type of environment and maybe some words of encouragement that you can share. Um, because I know this is more of like a, you know, I don't want to say just newbie group because I mean, there are people like I, I've, I've been listening to it for the past few weeks. I was even on it last week. But, you know, just just maybe some share, you know, what you've maybe seen in the past from other people that may have struggled, you know, trying to get into the right mindset and um, being able to, you know, just take the leap and drown out like the negative noises and stuff like that. You know, just if you can share some like words of encouragement or anything that you've experienced in your past that may help. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's not a unique situation that she finds herself in because I call it, 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 this may sound, this may sound like I lack empathy with my answer, but chalk it up to me being on the other side of 50 if you want. Okay. But I've seen, a lot of creative excuses that people use to avoid pursuing what they know they're capable of. And I'm not saying that's what she's doing, but I got to start there anyway, because I've never met her. I'm not making a judgment against her. I'm just, all I know is what you've told me. And what you basically told me to condense it down is she wants to pursue it. She wants to do it. She knows it's legitimate. She has a great friend who's doing it. She's aware a lot of other people are succeeding, but she has people speaking negatively into her life. So she's not doing it. Well, the problem with with what, and I, I I may have not have said and put enough nuance in there as I hear, but that's basically what we're hearing. If the attitudes of other people are keeping you from pursuing what you know you could and should be doing, that's not them. That's the problem. That's the person in the mirror. Which my vantage point, that's the problem. Ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the time, the person in the mirror is the problem. Because if you want to get creative and find reasons not to do what you know you could and should be doing, you'll find an endless stream of excuses, right? But the thing I love about this community is, and I felt a hint of this in your question too, to hear is we're going to beat you up with people who have bigger challenges. But actually the most recent Facebook post that I have on my personal Facebook page is on this exact subject. Because we all have to decide what we're going to do with those people that we see around us who have a better excuse list than we have if they chose to use it. They've got physical disabilities well beyond anything we've ever imagined. 
They've got financial difficulties. They've got relational struggles, like the one you mentioned, Zahir, or others recently divorced, or, you know, my parents were horrible people, and, or, you know, I was raised in an alcoholic's home, or whatever dysfunction you want to put in there. They've got a list that beats our list, right? Like you can imagine that person, like, you know, maybe you've had a hard life. Well, you don't have to work very hard to imagine someone who had a twice as hard a life as you've had. But what they've done is they've built a beautiful business anyway. They've built a beautiful life anyway. They've overcome those things. So what are you going to do with those people? Do you ignore them? Do you block them out? Do you feel insulted or do they anger you? Or do you say, you know what, I'm going to learn, I'm going to be inspired by those people. So I think she needs to find louder voices than the ones speaking negativity. The negativity is still going to be there. I've got negativity all around me any given day. All of us do. All of us have people like, what are you crazy for doing that? Oh, you should be doing this instead. Do you choose to listen to them or do you find louder voices? And some of my favorite loud voices to listen to, I think she needs to listen to our podcast and listen to like Carolyn McFall's story. Homeless mom with her kids in tow, no money in the bank, on the run from an abusive spouse who she was pretty sure wanted to kill her, right? That's when she launched her business. Mm, I, I, yeah, she's the one that came out with the book, right? Yeah, she has a book. Yeah, I remember Homeless that. to Homeowner. Mm-hmm. Her first time on any kind of stage ever was at one of our events, standing up, nervous, shaking like a leaf, couldn't even look up at the audience. The lights were bright, and she just wanted to read her cards and just told her story. Bought the Proven Amazon course for herself as a Valentine's Day present, right? So does your friend have that kind of challenge to overcome? Probably not. She's got some people speaking negatively into her life. Do any of them want to kill her? Probably not, right? You see what I'm saying? Like you start to surround yourself with some of these stories of people that have it way worse than you do and they've built something beautiful and suddenly your excuse list just kind of feels like something that you want to just, you know, write on a three by five card and maybe burn and make it a non-factor and then go after the life you want. We're the only thing that God created that can wake up one day and go, you know what? I don't like where I'm at right now. I think I'm going to go after that. And then you set a course and you go after it. There'll be voices, there'll be challenges, there'll be struggles. And I'm, I don't consider myself a motivational talker by any means. I'm just, a, I'm a realist. Like you can choose to go after what you want to go after, or you can choose not to, and you can come up with a creative excuse list that keeps you where you are. And you can kind of rest on that at night. I haven't built my Amazon business because I've got people speaking negatively into my life. I haven't built the business I've always wanted because I'm not educated enough. I haven't built the business I always wanted because one of my parents was an alcoholic. And I think that's still impacting my ability to, you know, like you can put whatever you want on that list, or you can start to chip away and overcome those things and build a beautiful life and be inspired by the people who have done overcome far more than you with a far stronger excuse list. That's my best argument. And again, this is a topic I could talk about for hours. I tend to get myself in trouble when I talk about it too, because I come across as almost like lacking empathy, but I'm not here to make people feel better about where they are. God didn't put me on this planet to make people feel better about where they are. That's not my skill set. God put me here to make people feel very uncomfortable about where they are and ask themselves questions like, why am I not somewhere better right now? What, what are those barriers? What, what's going on? Why am I not up here? I'm here and I don't want to be here. I want to be up here. I want to make people so uncomfortable here that they do what it takes to get here. Hey, call that motivational speaking if you want, but I've interviewed hundreds of people and that's what we've helped them do. There's something to this. So hopefully that helps out as a here. Um, 
I'm not saying it's just an excuse. I mean, it, it, I can't imagine if my spouse didn't support me. I don't know that I've got what it takes to overcome that. I thank God that I do, but I can't introduce you to many people who don't have a supportive spouse who's finally come around because they've built something. And then they graciously say, yeah, I mean, I know this was rough for you because I failed a lot in the past. My wife actually talks a lot about this in a session that she does at our live conferences here. And uh, this just popped in my head. I'm doing all the talking. We'll get some more questions here soon. But her session is the non-entrepreneurial spouses really love her session because she's not an entrepreneur. But she talks about how to be the cheerleader for the entrepreneur, even when you don't believe. Because if, if we're to make a confession, entrepreneurs, we could all raise our hand and go, yeah, that's me. I have way more ideas than I ever actually make materialize. And I talk about them a lot. And that gets old after a while. So she says, you know, when your entrepreneur comes to you and they've got their latest big idea and you don't even understand the details of it, but they're just talking about it. You don't say, how are you going to do that? You go, wow. You do that, right? It's a little change, but that means a lot to us as an entrepreneur for some reason, right? I mean, it's just a little sentence change, but suddenly we're like, okay, you're not against me. Okay, that's right. But that's a hard thing to ask them to do over and over and over and over and over again. As we go through our list of 50 things that we're excited about in any given week, right? Uh, that most of which never end up happening. That's just the entrepreneur's brain. So it's not easy. Maybe people speaking in her life have seen her fail 50 times in a row at things that she just didn't put her heart into. And they're just trying to, to love her. They, they could be very responsible, loving people. And they're just trying to keep her away from that next big failure. You know? But she needs to find it within herself to, you know, only, only she can control her future. Um, so let, let's end it there. I could go on and on, but it's good to see you here. Yeah, likewise. I appreciate you sharing that. And um, thank you for everything that you do. And I hope that I will be seeing you in July. Yeah, man, I really want you to be there. Let me know, man. Be, be, let me know if you're coming, okay? Because I want to want to connect. And and uh, I want to get you on the podcast too. I'll shoot you a note later. Sounds great. Thanks, Jim. All right, brother. Talk to you later. Pardon the interruption. We'll get back to the show in just a moment, but I've got to tell you about the sponsor that we have today, Humminbird. H-U-M-N-B-I-R-D. Humminbird.com. There's a link in the show notes. They provide services for all your trademarks, corporate setup, branding, marketing, and tax advising as well. As we enter that time of the year where taxes are on the mind of especially those of us here in the United States, how do you most efficiently handle the challenges of making sure you get all of your deductions, taking care of all your tax concerns, making sure you do it right without paying too much as an e-commerce seller, as an Amazon business building warrior? They've got some incredible services that you should go check out at humminbird.com. That's spelled H-U-M-N-B-I-R-D.com. Let's get back to the program. All right. We've got Makai waiting with a hand up, and I'm sure I butchered your name, but let's jump in and have a conversation. You can tell me how to pronounce your name. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. You didn't. It's okay. It's okay. Makai Lindo. It's Makai Lindo. Makai Lindo. Love it. Good to meet you, my friend. How can I help you out? Hey, uh, Jim, when you talk, I hear I hear you and some of your uh, podcast guests say a lot, say that uh, there's so much, they have this phrase that says there's so much out there, there's so much out there. Can you unpack that a little bit or can you talk about that a little bit? Because yeah. it's intriguing to me. I mean, I know I see I see some profitable, it's 
But that phrase, you know, there is so much of it. I still don't, I mean, I, I haven't gotten to that point yet. So, sure. Is anyone? Let me take a, I'm going to try, I'm going to give you a short answer to another thing that could be a very long topic. And we talk about this frequently on a podcast. I think if you listen to a good number of podcasts, you'll hear me go in some good rants and you hear the guests and coaches on our team talk about it as well. Most people who come into the Amazon arena, having never had success before, are under the impression that the game is won by finding profitable products. And they've built their entire thought process on that platform. I've got to find profitable products. Those of us who came from eBay, you know, starting 20 years ago plus for me, it was always a search for profitable products. Is this a profitable product? I don't know. Let's do the research and find out. How about this? Is this a profitable product? How about this product? And they're thinking product, product, product. Which one? I got to find a profitable product somewhere. We call that the treasure hunt model, Easter egg hunt model. And when you say I'm having trouble finding any profitable ASINs, for example, that tells me the the light bulb hasn't come on yet. You're still in a bit of a dark room fumbling around. You need to, to step into a different mindset. And that mindset includes thoughts like these. I'm not looking for a profitable product. I'm looking for underserved listings. I'm not looking for a keep a chart that shows me obvious opportunity and like alarm bells go off and like, oh, wow, that's a great product. I'm going all in on that one. I'm just looking for a Testworthy ASIN. What's a testworthy ASIN? Well, if you listen to podcast episode number 554, 554, I'm typing that in the comments right now, just so everyone can reference it. That's one of the, our favorite recent ones. You're going to hear me say, ignore the buy box. When looking at a keep a chart, you can ignore the buy box if that ASIN meets certain qualifications. This is one of dozens of strategies, by the way. So this isn't the go-to strategy. This is one of dozens of strategies for finding test-worthy ASINs. There's no such thing as finding profitable ASINs. You find test-worthy ASINs, and then you find out later if your test was a profitable success or if you broke even and you got your money back. So no one can look at a keep a chart for the first time for an ASIN and say, yep, that's profitable. You don't know till you test. So you're not looking for profitable ASINs. You're looking for underserved ASINs that are worthy of being tested. And then you test them and you find out if it's profitable. And if it is, you go get a few more. And you get a few more after that as they sell. And if it stops testing, or if it stops performing well for you, then you stop selling it. If you can't make a handful of sales per month at a profit. So right now, any of us could easily with a few moments of training and a little bit of understanding of Keepa, a little bit of understanding of replans, we could easily go get on Keepa and find ASINs that are dropping 50 or more times per month and then go find product that matches that ASIN. I haven't talked about price yet at all, have I? I don't care what you're paying. I don't care what it's selling for on Amazon. As long as the buy box isn't well above or right at what you can pay for it, if there's any room at all above the buy box where there could be some sales being made a few times per month on this very active ASIN, then you're going to get a handful of those sales. Odds are. So to a specific example of an ASIN that I would like to park on. When I say park, it means I'm going to sell against it. I'm not going to sell thousands of units. Come on in, Zane. I got my kiddo walking through getting some stuff. 
this guy's about to get married. Give it up for saying. <laughs> I got 50 of my best friends here, Z. All right. Yeah. Um, so he's just grabbing his mail. He see he's moved out, got his own place, but his, some of his mail still comes here. She's got a All mailbox right now. <laughs> I had to print something out. So I'm gonna be here. For yeah, second. if it works out, cool. It's good luck. That printer's been acting goofy. But let me give you guys this example, okay? So I've got a, an ASIN that I discovered that's dropping 50 times a month. There's 30 other sellers on this thing. Am I going to say, okay, there's too many sellers, the buy box is too low, the buy box is typically, you know, down here. You may not get that thing to work, buddy, for some reason. It's been acting weird. Am I going to avoid it entirely? Or am I going to test at a higher price that's profitable for me? I'm going to test at a higher price that's profitable for me. Send in one unit, send in two units. An untrained eye would have looked at that exact same mason and said, oh, wait, the buy box is too low. There's no opportunity here. The buy box doesn't represent every sale. The buy box price is here. Most sales are happening at this level. But on an ASIN that drops that much, that's selling that many times a month, 50 drops a month means you know, 500, 800 sales a month. Who knows? There's going to be plenty of sales that are made. And I explain all this in podcast episode 554. Pod- sales that are made well above the buy box line that don't show up on a keep a chart. It never shows up. But just put yourself, imagine yourself in this scenario. You, here you are, it's two o'clock in the afternoon. There's a product that you need today from Amazon. You don't have time to go to the store. You know, you've, you live in a prime now delivery area. Amazon hopefully has one in a warehouse near you. You get on amazon.com. There it is. There's one unit sitting in a warehouse near you. It's not at the buy box price though. It's, you know, $15 higher than the buy box on a $40 item, let's say. That one seller is going to get the sale. There were 30 other sellers selling that same item cheaper than you. And if I was willing to wait until Saturday, I could have ordered from one of them, but I'm not willing to wait until Saturday. There's a regional advantage on these fast moving ASINs where if you just got a few sitting in different warehouses, someone's going to snag it at a higher price. So that's a long answer that hopefully I was able to piece together and, and help you out to where if you say, oh, I can't find a profitable ASIN, that tells me you, you don't understand the game yet. It's not profitable versus unprofitable ASINs. It's do I have a reasonable expectation that I can sell at least a handful of month against this listing? Is there enough activity there? I'm ignoring how many other sellers there are, ignoring the buy box altogether. This is a fast moving ASIN. There's going to be a lot of regional activity where people say, I need this now. I'm going to send a few units to a few random warehouses and see if those things get snagged up handful of times per month. So I'll sell five or 10 a month of, a, of an item that sells 1,500 times through 30 other sellers. But on my five or 10 sales, I make a nice margin. And that's just one example. So once you start to understand that, you can see why we confidently say there are millions of underserved ASINs waiting on you right now. They're literally everywhere. I'm not saying you can go to the store and buy one unit of this drink off the shelf and go, oh, this is a good product. I'm going to go sell this on Amazon. I found a good product today. Now, that's not how it works. There may be 40 listings. Let's pretend this is a flavored drink of some kind. You know, there's 40 listings where this appears. 38 of the listings are a complete waste of your time. There's not enough activity. The brand is selling it against themselves. There's no room in there. But then there's another listing buried. Maybe it's on page eight and it's a three pack of this and I could make $4 per sale. 
there's three other sellers on it. You know, that's another example of these hidden ASINs, but they are, they really are everywhere. Does that help? And I'm sorry, that was kind of a long, convoluted, full of interruptions kind of answer, but I could go much longer. <laughs> Unmute yourself and let me know what you think. All right. So does it have to have your your drops? Does it have to be a high at all times? Because no. I found okay. All right. No, there's dozens of ways to find great replens. I gave you one example of a strategy that any of us can use, which is to go find replens that have more than 50 drops and then put a nice price on it and just see what happens. Send in one or two test units. That's a test worthy ASIN. Anything with more than 50 or 60 drops is a test worthy ASIN for me. Is it a profitable ASIN, Jim? I don't know. I'll tell you a month from now after my products are checked in. My worst case scenario is I drop my price and I sell it, get rid of it. How do you know you're going to sell it? Because it drops 50 or 60 times a month, which means it's selling 400 to 800 times a month. I don't care how many sellers are on that thing. If I drop my price on something moving that fast, it's gone. I'm getting my money back. Maybe it costs me a little bit of money. If it's not dropping, I would say 10 or 12 times a month, I'm probably not going to be interested no matter what it is. That's kind of like the low bar. Okay, all right. Because I saw an item that that is, I think, 11 or 19. Mm-hmm. It's profitable at uh, the buy, buy, buy box price. So I'll try to test. Yeah. Thank you very much. All right. I don't have any other hands up right now. So I'm going to scroll through and look at some of the questions. Someone's asking, what are drops? I think the best answer I can give to that is please go watch this short video. I'm typing it in, typing it into the comments right now. Please go watch that or go listen to podcast episode 369 or both. But a drop basically means that the sales rank has changed on an ASIN. So when you're looking at the sales rank of a product on Amazon, it, the sales rank is any given day is going up and down as it sells or other products in the same category sell. The rank is changing. Think of it like the, you know, what are the top 500 songs in the world right now? Well, you might have a song that's ranked number eight today, tomorrow it's ranked number 14, and then it drops back to number six. The rank is changing based on how many people are listening to it. Um, you know, on iTunes, you can see this in real time. What are the top 100 songs in the world right now? Well, it's changing all day, every day. And so if you plotted out the rank of any one of those songs, it may have started out at 400, then it made it onto the top 20 charts, and then it was back down to 350, and then it was back into the mid 50s. That movement is ups and downs. Sometimes it's dropping. When the sales rank drops, that means it's moving closer to being in the number one position. The lower the number, the better. Kind of like in golf, right? The low scores win. When you're ranking products, number one is a good place to be. So if you were at 200 yesterday and you dropped number one, that's a good thing. So a drop means you improved your sales rank. And if you watch the changes in sales rank over time, you can see which products are moving the fastest. The reason it's even necessary is because Amazon does not share with anyone how many units per month sell of any given item. They don't tell anyone that information. The only people that know how many times per month any item sells are Amazon, they know. And if it's a single seller ASIN, they can look at the records and see how many they sold. Other than that, the rest of us have no idea. And there's a whole bunch of expensive tools that pretend to guess at that number. And they're all wildly different in their guesses with their algorithms that they use. 
So we ignore those entirely. And we just look at the number of sales rank changes because the only way sales rank can move in a positive direction is for at least one unit to sell. So if a product is sales rank is bouncing up and down pretty fast, a little green line on Keepa, we know, hey, this thing's moving along. Let's count the number of drops per month. If there's 50 drops in a month, that doesn't necessarily represent 50 sales because a lot of sales could have happened since the last time the sales rank was updated. It could represent 50 drops a month, could represent up to 500 or even 1,000 sales of that product. But we know that's a fast mover. If it's only dropping twice a month, that's a really slow mover. It's almost like a logarithmic scale for the mathematicians in the room. Like there's a big difference between 10 drops a month and 40 drops a month. Huge difference. It's not a 4x difference. It's a up to 30x difference between the two. But that's getting off into the weeds too much. Typically, if it's less than 10 to 12 drops, most of us ignore it. If it's 30, 40 or more, well, let's pay a little attention and see what's going on. Can we squeeze in here and maybe sell against this ASIN and sell it at a nice at a higher price? You don't have to rely on buy box. If one of the most valuable lessons I think you can learn as a new seller on Amazon is that the buy box is where most of the sales happen, not where all of the sales happen. The buy box is regionally unique. So you can be sitting in three different cities in the United States and you're going to see three different buy boxes at the exact same time. Do the experiment with a friend sometime. Call someone in a different city. Hey, what's the buy box on this ASIN for you right now? It's going to be something different for you than it is for them based on inventory availability and who can get it there the fastest and which warehouse has the most and which sellers are selling against it at any given time and you know which warehouse is getting inventory today versus not getting inventory for three or four days from now, right? So that buy box line that you see, that is not a set in stone. Like you got to sell it for this price. That's the biggest mix, misconception a lot of new sellers have is they think that buy box represents the price that it will sell for. And if I go above that, I will not make sales. Nope. Pricing at the buy box level is for completely brand new, inexperienced, clueless newbies who are going to be frustrated six months from now and give up. But that's what pricing at the buy box is for. <laughs> it's all it's good for. Frustrating sellers who are going to give up a few months from now. I might start using that. Actually, we don't have any hands up. Oh yeah, we do. We got another hand up. All right. What else is on your mind, guys? Oh, I've got Tanya with her hand back up. That's awesome. Let's have another chat. So, um, Jim, I had... Yeah. This is a silly question, but no question is silly at this point, right? No. <laughs> so what is the difference between a receipt, like a store receipt and an invoice? Oh, great question. So, yeah, because I know that I'm paranoid, like I'm extra paranoid to make sure I have all my receipts and all my invoices in place. But is a regular receipt enough? How does that work? Yeah, great question. And for me to... Fully detail out this answer would be about 20 minutes, but I'm going to do it in three and then give you the 90% of everything you'll ever need to know. Okay. So receipts and invoices. A receipt isn't a get out of jail free card if you're buying bad inventory. Got to say that. So if you're going to a store that sells closeouts and liquidations or Amazon to Amazon flips, you know, returns and that sort of thing, you're like, oh, but they gave me a receipt. It's like, no, that's not proof that you're dealing with legitimate distributor of that product. And Jeff and I have talked on recent episodes, Jeff Schick and I uh, on the podcast, Wednesday episodes, you want to catch the end of the Wednesday episodes of the podcast because we talk about these types of things. But you want to make sure that you're buying from a legitimate source. 
a receipt, an invoice, none of that protects you if it's not a legitimate source. You could still be getting inventory that was illegitimate. It was either like, you know, you, you've heard the horror stories, people buying Nikes and they're really from China, that kind of thing. And it ended up in a, some kind of bargain bin at some store and here you are buying. And it's like, oh, these are, these are counterfeit goods, right? So that's why you got to use legitimate channels to buy your inventory. But even when you're online, is this a legitimate source? And if you're not sure if, if it's a legitimate source or not, you can go to the brand website and just say, hey, I'm, I'm getting ready to buy your products from this website. Are they an authorized distributor, authorized reseller of your products? You can find out. So now, assuming you're talking about legitimate inventory that's being distributed through legitimate channels, and there's millions of legitimate channels, but there's also a bunch of scam channels too. But let's assume you're talking about a receipt or an invoice from a legitimate source. A receipt covers you in the event that Amazon comes back and says, you get a complaint and Amazon's like, hey, we're going to need to see proof that this is legitimate in, uh, inventory. Send them the receipt, you're good. 100% of the time, sometimes you'll get an agent who doesn't know what they're talking about. He's like, oh, no, a receipt's not good enough. A retail receipt's not good enough. Sorry. You escalate it and the person that works above them is like, yeah, they don't know what they're doing in that department. Sorry. You're good. So you sometimes will lose a little sleep over a retail receipt. But if it's an itemized retail receipt from an authorized distributor of the products, they've got legitimate inventory that came from the manufacturer. It's not something that was shipped overseas that, you know, product intended for Canada that somehow made itself into the United States or, you know, product that uh, was completely manufactured with a Nike logo on it in China and shipped in a crate to the U.S. Like, you know, we've eliminated that from a possibility already. The retail receipt is all you'll need to compete against a complaint from Amazon saying, hey, is this legitimate? Is this real inventory that you're dealing with here? Now, an invoice is needed when you're trying to get approval for a new category that you don't have approval yet. A lot of times they'll say, hey, we need to see that you ordered 10 units and we need to see it on an invoice. A receipt won't cover you. The vast majority of the time, they will reject a receipt. Like, oh, you want to see 10 units? I'm going to go to Walmart right now and buy 10 units to get myself approved in uh, whatever whatever topicals category. You know, I'm going to go buy 10 products, whatever. I'll just use them myself and stick them in stockings. But now I've got a receipt that shows quantity 10 and I can get approved, right? Well, typically, no, they want, a re- they want an invoice, which means it's got an address on it of where the products were shipped to. And they know where you bought them from. Now, the good news is you can go your entire career never need an invoice as a very successful Amazon seller. Most people we advise, don't go chasing invoices with quantity 10 units, trying to get yourself approved in all these categories. Because once you start selling and you've sold 30 to 40 units of anything, Mm -hmm. even if it's a break-even or a loss, these categories are going to fall open for you anyway. And certainly, please don't make the mistake of paying somebody 200 or 500. I heard someone paid they paid somebody $1,600 to get them a legitimate invoice to get them ungated in the topicals category. There was someone on the podcast a few days ago. I was like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Like, what a complete waste of time, effort, money, energy, and understanding of the policy. And that person ripped you off. Don't ever pay anybody money to help you get ungated, ever. Don't read a book about how to get ungated. Waste of time. All you have to do is sell a few things and the gates fall open with receipts needed occasionally if you're asked to prove that you have legitimate inventory. So invoicing is uh, is a good way to add extra unnecessary steps to the process of learning Amazon. Anyone talking about invoices and ungating is something 
new sellers need to really dive in and understand, it's a complete waste of time. And we've got hundreds and hundreds of sellers as evidence of what I'm talking about. So sell a few items, keep your receipts. The ungating will happen without invoices. That's the short answer to your great question. How about you? That was perfect. Thank you for listening to Silent Sales Machine Radio. Visit SilentJim.com for a link to our free newsletter, our free Facebook group, and all of our resources mentioned on today's show.